Good evening. Hello. Welcome to MKGN number four. Uh, woo! Good to see so many here. Um, first up is Keir Whitaker, and he's going to be talking about new adventures in Google Pay Speed. <laughs> um, sorry, the new adventures reference. Uh, Keir's a web developer, one half of Viewport Industries, co-host of the Back to Front show, which is a very good podcast, I might have missed, must admit. Uh, publisher of the weekly, I don't even know how you say that, how you say that, miscellany, I'll say it properly. Sorry, well, and he's a Shopify advocate as well, so Keir Whitaker. Okay, is this on? Everyone hear me okay? Uh, I'm actually freezing. Is anyone cold? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Collie's warming his bottom on the radiator, so he might be out of action later. Um, so if I sort of do this, it's nothing other than trying to warm my hands because I've got me uh, slides on the phone. Um, cool. Uh, firstly, thanks for having me. I was supposed to come on, was it last year? But I bailed on you. Yeah. Yeah. I was just tired of being on the bill with a row. Um, no, nothing personal. Um, so, um, as Richard said, uh, I'm a web developer based in the... Uh, beautiful city of Bath. We have the UK Barista Champion there, so if you've not been, it's a reason to go. Uh, one Half of Viewport Industries, a company I founded with my friend Elliot J. Stocks. He's got less of big hair now, but you may know him as the big curly-haired pro designer chap. Uh, we published a book together last year called Insights the Book. Did anyone buy it? Oh, good. Okay. Uh, I've actually got a couple to give away, but uh, I've been racking my brains how to do that, so um, if anyone's got any ideas, let me know. They, these, these weigh a ton. Trust me, we charge £9 for international delivery and we don't make a penny on that. Um, it's a heavy beast. Uh, I work with Shopify as well, so I go around uh, running workshops, how to work on the platform, design themes, that kind of stuff. Uh, we have a Manchester workshop, blatant plug, uh, coming up in May and then one in London in June. And I uh, host, um, a, a co-host I should say, uh, a podcast that I started this year where we talk about back-end technologies, front-end stuff and plenty in between. But apparently if you look up back to front show as Craig will testify uh, on Urban Dictionary. It's a very rude word, which I honestly didn't know at the time. Uh, so if anyone calls you right back to front, uh, don't blame me. Um, I hope you like the design, by the way. It's flat design. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> Just two colours. Um, so what I'm going to talk about today is a little thing I did over Christmas. I wanted to do a site for the Back to Front show, and I'd started reading a lot about sort of front-end optimization and how to make your website quicker and all these things. It seems to be one of the sort of trends at the moment. And I started reading a whole bunch of articles by these kind of people. Chris Coyer, who you know from CSS Tricks. Harry Roberts, who's CSS Wizardry. Uh, does anyone read his blog? It's, it's really interesting. Uh, Andy Davies, he gave a talk at Port 80 over in Wales last year. And that really piqued my interest. He's a sort of front-end optimization guy. Uh, Steve Souders, who's referenced entirely by these, these guys. And a guy called Jeff Starr, who wrote... Um, a book called Digging into WordPress, but he's also written a book recently called uh, uh, HD Access Made Easy, which actually is a really good read if you've got some spare time. Um, and so what have, a lot of what I'm going to talk about uh, today, and hopefully if I've got time, show you uh, as well, are some of the t uh, hints and tips about uh, speeding up your site, mainly there's some server stuff, some HD Access stuff, um, you know, how you actually construct your pages and includes in that. I'm still learning all this. It really took me out of my comfort zone. Um, at the same time, I decided to try and get to grips with Amazon Web Services. So the whole site's deployed on EC2 with CloudFront and all this stuff, which I'll touch on as well. 
Um, so I really just wanted to share that journey, and um, I, I really don't know everything. I normally talk about sort of business, more webby uh, business stuff, so um, it's a little bit out of my comfort zone, but I thought that was a, a, good, a good thing for once. So the challenge was to achieve a score of 100 out of 100 on Google PageSpeed. Has anyone tried it? Anyone got 100? You have? Wow. We'll, we'll chat later. Um, I'm going to spoil, um, spoil the show in a minute uh, and give you the score that I've got for the Back to Front show. Um, but I just wanted to talk about the technologies that I use. It's not the full hipster stack. There's no Node.js. I'm sorry about that. Can't have everything. Um, but the site's built on Amazon Web Services, so we're using things like S3 and CloudFront, which we'll touch on shortly. Uh, it's run on Apache, on EC2. I use a slim PHP framework and the Twig template in Engine. So it's nothing... Uh, it's very accessible stuff. There's nothing, nothing too clever there. Um, that's the site. I was going to put a little shadow on it because you can press shadow in Kino, and it, but I thought, no, moving on. Um, so to spoil the show, I only managed 97 out of 100, which, you know, it's not too bad. The final 3% is, is eluding me, uh, but I think I know why. So if you've got 100, I'll, is it just a hello world? Is that it? Is it? Just, yeah? H1, yeah. Um, but um, this, is, this is my statement for tonight. If I can do it, so can you. So, um, yeah, as I said, take me out of my comfort zone. Uh, it's a geek night, so I thought I'd try and do something geeky and some points. I did have starry backgrounds like Stolp, but anyway, I thought, no. We'll stick with the flat design. So, uh, running through, there's 11 points. I think if you can uh, implement some of these for your own stuff, you hopefully should, should speed up your site. Once you get deeper into this stuff, you start reading conflicting opinions. So, uh, if there's any sort of deep Uber command line amazing people out there, who know a lot about this stuff. I'd love to hear why some of the ideas might not be the most optimal. But again, I think it's all about context. My site doesn't get a huge amount of traffic, so most of these ideas will work. They will speed up your site. Depending on the context, depending on if it's an application, less of a content-driven site, some of these uh, there will be trade-offs and you want to do different things. So it's not one-size-fits-all, but it's kind of one-size-fits-most, hopefully. Uh, look at this. There we go. So the first one is make fewer HTTP requests. Every time, uh, once the initial HTML documents come down, you're requesting a JavaScript file, a CSS file, an image, all those kind of things. It's another round trip back to the server. So the biggest blockage, mainly, um, when you start reading about this stuff, is the network. It's the, you know, you're over here, your browser, and your server's over in LA somewhere or wherever. It's got to do a lot of work to get all those assets down to you. So the fewer that you make, the quicker that your page will render. So you could start um, questioning, do I really need all of those jQuery UI includes? Do I really need all those images? Could I use sprites? All those kind of things. So the fewer requests you make, the quicker it will be. All things being equal. The second one is uh, minification and concatenation. How many people here actually concatenate and minify all their files as a matter of course, like JavaScript and CSS? That's quite a few. That's cool. Uh, what, what do you use to do it? CodeKit. CodeKit? CodeKit's huh? good. Um, it's really easy to do now. A few years ago, maybe a couple of years ago, there was a lot of command line tools. Um, but now with the rise of CodeKit, and I've been working with these guys who are producing a thing called Mixture as well, it makes it really, really simple. It allows you to uh, have a sort of master file. Master file? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, 
where you'd have, say, all your imports of all the different files, it will then munch them all together, minify it, and then output it, so you can actually then just deploy the single, single script file or the single uh, CSS file. If you're working in teams and you have deployment uh, routines and all that kind of stuff, that approach probably won't work. As I said, it's not one uh, approach fits all. So uh, you can obviously concatenate and minify on the server as well when you deploy from, from Git or, or however you do it. But if you're just working on your own, on your own site, it's really pretty easy to do. Just have uh, one file that imports them all and then code kit or mixture or whatever you use will sort of munge it all together and then output it. Um, third one is optimizing images. Um, a lot of things like CoKit, they'll do that for you. But ImageOptim, has anyone seen that? It's a, it's a great tool. It will, it's amazing how much saving you can get without losing any of the, the quality. We use on our viewport industry site, we've got some quite big background images. And you know, that's a concern, especially with mobile devices and all that kind of stuff. But we were sort of saving 50, 60, 70% and really not losing anything. So you can literally just drag and drop. Um, sometimes as well, if you actually run it two or three times, you'll find that it'll squeeze that extra couple of percent out. So sort of 50, 60% saving um, with no perceivable loss of quality. I've been told, I don't use Photoshop that much, but the Photoshop export stuff isn't great. So even if you do export for web, run it through something like ImageOptim, uh, or the CoKit processor stuff, and you'll find yourself saving uh, some bandwidth there as well. So, Modernizer, jQuery, jQuery UI, all these things kind of tend to have them in our boilerplates and tend to include them as a matter of course. I, I certainly do. The full Modernizer script, I'll often go and grab the development one and then forget to, like, you know, minify it or whatever. Um, ask yourself, do you really need them? If you're not... If you're only using Modernizer for the HTML5 shiv, maybe just use the HTML5 shiv. Don't use Modernizer. It's not huge, but again, if you're saving 20, 30k uh, into your page, it's going to make a difference. Uh, you can build. They've got a nice build script as well. So if you only want to check for, say, uh, I don't know, border radius or something, just click that and then build the script out and include that. Um, jQuery 2.0, I think, is going to have the same facility. The, the jQuery UI already does, but jQuery itself... So if you only want to use the Ajax stuff, you can. You don't have to download the whole, um, the, the whole, the whole library, which is about 93K. Uh, you'll be able to sort of get all the functionality you need in a lot less. So have a think about the next time you're creating the page, what functionality do you need? And you'll probably be able to save some space there as well. Um, CSS at the top, JavaScript at the bottom. is quite a simplistic rule um, because you'll use something like Typekit and it'll say you've got to put the thing in the head blah, blah, blah. So again, this is one of those ones where it's a bit of a trade-off. If you're using Typekit, for example, um, the reason that they ask you to put it in the head is to stop the flash of unstyled type, or fout, or however you say it, um, because JavaScript basically blocks the page rendering. So the idea is that the CSS doesn't block it, so you build the page and then you whack the JavaScript at the bottom and let it execute once all your page uh, it's loaded. That's a, more of a perceived speed thing as well. So if, if your content's coming down, people are engaging with the page, uh, and then your JavaScript executes a couple of milliseconds later, there's no perceived lag, whereas the other way around, there is probably a perceived lag, and a real lag as well. Um, HTTP compression. This is all about using uh, gzip compression on the server. Most websites uh, I've ever w worked on, apart from in the, in the glory days of Internet Information Server with Microsoft, uh, run on Apache. And um, there's a couple of ways that you can uh, instigate things like HTTP compression. You can either use an HD access file, which we've most, everyone come across those? 
kind of the ones that get hidden and you always forget to transfer when you're using FTP, which is a great way of deploying your website, by the way. Um, but uh, you can either put most of these commands in the HTTP access file, or you can put them in the httpd.conf file in Apache, which, uh, once you work out where it is, is actually quite easy to edit. It's just a text file. But basically, you're enabling gzip, which works in the same way as gzip uh, or, or zip files on your Mac or your, your Windows machine. It kind of squashes them down, throws a smaller file down the pipe, and then the browsers are equipped to sort of expand that back out. And you can make huge savings. Um, I think jQuery is an example. When it's gzipped, it's 93K minified, and it's about 37 when it's gzipped. So it's a huge saving. And literally, if you go onto the HTML5 boilerplate site, there's a section for HD access, and you literally uh, control F, find gzip, copy that whole section into your HD access file and upload it, and all being well, you should have gzip compression. It's a really, really quick win. Uh, seven is browser caching, as well as being able to um, make the files smaller as they come down the pipe. You want your browser to keep a copy of that file for as long as possible. Um, depending on the file, depends on how long you'd want it to keep it. So... Uh, your HTML, one of the Google page uh, speed, when it talks through some of the options you've got, is talking about, you know, uh, caching your HTML file in the browser and that kind of stuff. If you're a content-driven site, that's just not going to work. You know, if, you're, if you know you're only going to update your homepage maybe once a month for whatever reason, you could probably uh, tell the browser to cache that, you know, your homepage for a month. But things like images that aren't going to change, CSS files, I'll touch on that in a second, JavaScript, those kind of things. You can set a reasonable expires time, uh, maybe a month, maybe two weeks. Uh, and again, if you go to HTML5 boilerplate, HD access file, there's a whole section on um, kind of setting the dates, what they call far future headers, which basically tells the browser, if this file is less than a month old, don't go and ask for it again. And so it doesn't, and it just uses the one in its browser cache. Um, so, again, that's another quick win. Not without its problems, though, uh, especially when you're deploying CSS and JavaScript, maybe quite regularly. There's a couple of techniques called cache-busting techniques. Uh, if you, anyone use WordPress and you look inside and they put the query string V equals 3.1 or whatever at the end of the assets? Anyone seen that? Yeah? No? <laughs> um, essentially, because the query string makes it out to be a slightly different file name, um, the, some browsers will go off and fetch a fresh copy. There's another way where you can actually insert... Uh, a different string, like a, the time of the file, which I'll show you hopefully in a minute, that allows you to, to cache bust as well, but without, uh, you just keep in one file, you just use a rewrite rule. So that's quite handy. Um, keep alive again in the HTTP access file on boilerplate. It it's basically keeps the connection open. So when the, your browser makes a connection to the server, instead of keep closing it, it just keeps it open. So you lose that overhead of the request, keeps the pipe open for sort of 10, 15 seconds, to allow all your data to come back down, and then it will close it off a bit later. Uh, it's three or four lines, again, that you can put in your HD access file. Cache dynamic content. Um, WordPress, any of you WordPress users? Any WP Supercache users? A couple? Um, really easy in WordPress to cache your dynamic content. It's quite heavy, WordPress, as a platform on, on queries. Um, sort of 15, 16 uh, database queries might make up a very, very simple blog homepage. If you can cache that content, basically go off, grab all the dynamic bits, put it into a flat file and store that somewhere for an hour, um, and then when someone comes and requests that page again, they just serve the flat file uh, without having to go off and get all the data again, you're going to save time. So as well as uh, having speed 
with the, dynamic, uh, with the browser caching, so that you know, the browser doesn't go off and request it again, you can make the time spent on the server uh, quicker as well. And that's, that's a quite easy win. Things like Rails and, and most of the PHP frameworks as well have, have caching built in. It's, uh, it's, again, it's a little bit more complicated than the frameworks, but if you use something like WordPress, it's very, very easy to implement. Use a content delivery network. Uh, I use two. There's one called MaxCDN, which I use for my own site. Um, and I've also started recently to use CloudFront through Amazon Web Services for, for the Back to Front Show site. Effectively, what CDN does, uh, it allows you to, to it hosts your assets basically around different servers around the globe. So uh, what it are trying to do is serve the one that's closest to the person requesting it. So if we've got uh, a point of presence in London and we request a file from here, hopefully it should work out that we want the one from London as opposed to the one in, in I don't know, Melbourne or, or LA. So it's, literally it's going to be quicker. It's just a distance thing. Um, despite the fact that the servers have to work out where you are, most of them uh, suggest that despite that overhead of looking up where you are and then serving the file, it's still quicker than doing the big round trip. Again, very, very easy to set up uh, with CloudFront on Amazon. You literally say where all your assets are, and that can be an S3 bucket, or it can be your own website. And then you replace uh, the host name in your, in your source code with the host name of the distribution, as it were, in, in Amazon. And the first time that that file is requested, if Amazon hasn't got it, it goes off and grabs it, and then it starts populating it around the world. So really, really quick win, and it's really cheap. Amazon Web Services is actually free for most people for a year. Uh, unless you've got stupid bandwidth when it starts charging you. So it's worth a play around. And point 11 is beware of boilerplates. How many of us have started off with something like HTML5 boilerplate with all the compressed images for uh, Apple iPhone stuff or the fab icon, and then you kind of strip those out, thinking, I'm going to replace those, and then you've uploaded the file, and you've still got all these requests for things like fab icons or uh, you know, iPhone icons. Every one of those, if you don't actually have a resource for them, will download your 404 page. Um, and Andy Davis at the Port 80 talk he did last year got called into a, I think they were like an e-commerce site in the States, and they had literally the fab icon. And their servers got absolutely random. They had like a Black Friday sale, and the servers ground to a halt, and it was literally because the fab icon was 404-ing. And they had some whiz-bang, spinning world, monster graphic 404 page, that was having to be pulled down in addition to the whole, site, uh, whole page. So it really ground the service to a halt. And that really made me think, yeah, I, I, I'm probably guilty of that quite heavily. So boilerplates are great, but maybe have a think, you know, before you deploy, have I included every asset that I'm referencing? Also test widely when you want to work out, uh, you know, what your results are. I said I got 97 on the Google page speed and on YSlow, which is Yahoo's one. And as you start implementing these different things that I've talked about, it'll go through and it'll, it'll give you recommendations. This is why it's a really good learning experience. You can go through and you'll say, you might want to try this, or this isn't working, try that. And so you'll start to see your score increase as you go on. Uh, ironically, I think the best service is uh, webpagetest.org, and I got nine, uh, 89 out of 100 on that one. But it's really detailed. And the, the really good thing about this is it gives you two, two views. It gives you a fresh request, so the first time that it downloads it, and then it gives you the results for the second time that it requests the page as well. So that works out how effective all your caching techniques are as well. So that's really useful. Um, it's worth trying two or three of them, principally because they'll kind of contradict themselves, 
and they'll suggest different things. And like Google, I'm convinced it's lying to me because I have set my cache expires on my static assets and it tells me I haven't. But web page test, it tells me it, they're fine. So I'm going to go with that one. Um, so again, it's a little bit of a, a trade-off, but if you get into this stuff, have a play around with them. Web page test gives you nice graphs and waterfalls. It's very, very nice. You can spend hours on it. Um, so this is how I couldn't get my final 3%. Uh, it says things like minify the HTML. Like I should minify the actual HTML page. Uh, I'd save, I think, 1%. So I'm probably losing a point there. Remove query strings from static resources. That's actually the typekit request. When it injects the JavaScript file uh, into the DOM, it's got a query string on the end. I can't control that, so I can't actually do anything. So I'm guilt-free on that one. Um, again, the minify CSS, that's to do with the, Java, um, the typekit CSS. But I think it said I would save 1K or 0.5 of a K or something, so it's, not, again, not huge. But if you're on a big site, these things are going to add up, so you might want to have a strategy to, to work those out. Um, as I said, this was a learning experience for me, and hopefully if you employ some of those tips, you will start to see an increase in speed in your own sites. Um, I've still got plenty to learn, and the more you read, the more you realise that different people in the field have different opinions on how things should be done and which, which things in Apache you should be using for expires headers and all that kind of stuff. But hopefully it gives you an idea. Um, I spent a couple of evenings reading up on this and trying these things out and breaking my server and all those kind of things and managed to get to 97. So it's not too bad. In fairness, most of you will probably start around 80, 85. I think David did it, didn't it? And you, you, were, you didn't do anything and you got like 96. So, yeah. <laughs> He's just a genius. So, um, um, but yeah, I still got 97. Anyway, um, but, you know, there's, there's plenty out there, and there's a lot of people writing really interesting stuff. Harry Roberts wrote a great piece, which I'll, I'll link up on my blog, all about front-end performance. He works at B-Sky-B, and so you have to understand that when he's saving 1K, that's a huge impact for him. It doesn't really mean anything for the 12 visitors to my site, but for him, it's a huge consideration. So he, he would say, never serve CSS from a, you know, a, a CDN, because the cost of looking up that extra host name is going to hit you. It doesn't really matter for me, but it's really interesting. Um, so these are some quick wins. None of them are that hard. Most, all the server stuff you can find in HTML5 boilerplate, which I'm sure we've all looked at. So definitely check it out. I was going to do a demo, but I don't think I've got time. Um, but what I will show you, if it's okay with um, Richard, he's not telling me not to, so, was just um, Google Chrome and some of the things you can look for. Uh, so... In the inspector, which you start to love when you get into this kind of stuff, the network tab is the one that you want to look at. Um, here's just an example of the cache-busting technique I use. I actually, uh, in my templating, I actually insert the time that the file was created uh, in code in the back end in the templating language. Um, and then every time that I update that file, once I deploy it, that will change and the, the, uh, the browser will think it's a new file. I just use a rewrite rule to go and grab the real file, which never really changes. But you'll start seeing things over here. You can't actually see that. Um, can I? My hands are so cold, I'm probably going <laughs> to... But you'll see things here, like from cache. So because I've used those um, expires headers, you'll see that it's not gone off and re-requested it. It's actually using the one from the browser cache. So that's a really quick win as well. Um, you'll also see that... Uh, let's have a look. Um, the... 
this is where it gets interesting, where you think that the caching uh, around here, where you've got 313, uh, 75 bytes down to 35 bytes, that's the, uh, the GZIP compression. So again, that's quite a big saving. But it doesn't always make sense. So uh, this one here, the file's 9.9K, but it's come down at 28.8. So I say, things lie. But uh, take it with a pinch of salt. But it should give you an idea if you start inspecting this stuff. And the other thing you can do is look at the headers quickly. So um, you can start seeing as well, just a sort of sanity check. That's uh, served from my CDN. Uh, it's got a 200 OK response, which basically means that's, it's all good. It's got a green light. We're happy. And it's from the cache. If we did a hard refresh, that would be different. So you can start, you have access to this information now. Like, you never, you know, the last few years, the inspectors and like Firebug and that, they're great. And if you start digging a little bit deeper, it's kind of like a rabbit warren. Um, but hopefully if you try those 11 things, or at least some of them, you will speed up your website. Um, and uh, that was my last slide. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you, Keir. Um, so Keir mentioned that my site scored 95, which is pure fluke. 95, yeah. Or maybe 96, I can't remember. Um, and I think it's a measure of how hopelessly competitive I am that I decided to go and try and beat Keir. And in doing so, then broke my website. Um, and they had to go, Richard, can you fix my site again? Um, I'm actually amazed Richard lets me touch my website anymore. Um, so thank you very much. That was you know, very interesting. Um, so now we're going to have a short break, get more beer, tea, coffee, whatever, and then we're going to crack on with our five-minute features. Thank you very much. <laughs>